Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of Matinee Matinee. Today we'll be discussing Two Doors, Nicole. As in two doors as in you are sleeping, not as in a number of doors that Nicole had access to. Yes. So this movie is very much in the tradition of clerks or waiting. Clerks or waiting? What? What? Did we watch the same movie? Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Keep going. It's about these (laughs) these people who are aimless and they sort of don't do much. Oh, okay, yeah. I would say, though, that the tone feels very different than Clerks or Waiting. Or Office Space. Yeah, the tone is not like those other films. Um, yeah. It is also in French. (laughs) Yeah, Canadian French. I mean... Which I'm told is very different from... Oh, really? Well, yeah, a French person I met said they went to French Canada and were like, these people talk so weird, so... Canada can't do anything right. I don't know. Except and Trudeau. But. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, I saw... Yeah, go ahead. The, we shouldn't throw stones, but yeah. Yeah. I saw the trailer for this movie, I think it must have been like 2014, and I was like, wait, what? That's not France. Because like, they're speaking French, but it's like not France. It's clearly not France. So then I was like, oh. So then I Googled it. I was like, oh, French Canada. Okay, um, which, yeah, I don't know, makes this film seem even weirder to me, but maybe, if probably to a French-Canadian, it doesn't seem weird, because it's... Well, that's, that's the thing, it. I think, with, like, international uh, media, like, TV and, and movies, like, you kind of, I kind of, like, you know, there'll, there'll be some weirdness, but there's a certain amount of, just, like, plausibility I give them, because I'm foreign to their culture. Yeah. Like... Yeah, if you watch something in Eng- if I watch something like that takes place in England, like you know, I'll believe it's more realistic just because the I have no I mean I've never been to England and sort of I'm more willing to accept stuff. Is yeah, happen. yeah, but I mean this film is clearly pretty weird. Like I don't know. Um, well, should we? say the plot there's like not really a plot i thought i did yeah exactly yeah it's like some some major things that come on is basically nicole is um she's living at her parents house her parents are away um her older brother who has a band stops by there's some um problem she works at like a secondhand store um and she steals from them and eventually gets fired um, there's this 10-year-old boy whose voice has changed. Um, one of the recurring bits in the movie. Um, where he's this 10-year-old boy with this very low voice, and he's trying to pursue a relationship of some kind with with uh, Nicole, because they used to babysit. Nicole has a best friend who lives very close to her, and um, they decide they're going to go to Iceland, so they talk about planning for that trip. Nicole gets a credit card, so she thinks she has infinite money. Um, yeah, did I? Yeah, I there, mean, yeah. There's a lot of, a lot of, like I said, like there's a lot of nothing that's going on in this movie. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I was not super crazy about it. Yeah, so talk but, to us about why. Yeah, I guess I just never really bought into any of the characters that much. Um, I don't know, I, 
the obvious compare. I guess uh, Arista didn't, didn't doesn't agree with this, but um, to some extent, I think the comparison is to the movies of the '90s, where there's people sort of hanging out, talking, and not really doing much, um, like an office space and waiting and clerks. And those are just a lot more outlandish of films than um, Two Doors Nicole, which is a pretty down. I mean, it's surrealistic, but most of the characters I think are are fairly down to earth. They're not bizarre. They're not over the top characters like you would see in the nineties. And I don't know. I think with sort of these films where you have not a lot of plot and things are just kind of going by. Sort of having these over-the-top characters is helpful. Yeah. I think um, I think maybe our difference in our... I also don't think it was great, but I don't... I, I still enjoyed it um, fairly well. And I think maybe that's because I likened it not to films those films you just described, but more so to um, the film like Donnie Darko or the book by Alex Garland, The Coma. I don't know if you... I haven't read you know, The Coma. Okay. Yeah, you know Alex Garland, though, because he did Ex Mahina. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so he's I also like a writer, and so he wrote The Coma, and I remember reading that like in middle school, which I was probably way too young to read that book. But it's super weird, and it's about this um, guy who goes into a coma, and when he wakes up, you know, it's like things are kind of, like, not quite the way that they should be, right? So things are just, like, a little off, and he slowly starts to realize that. And for me, this film felt more like that, and also Donnie Darko, how things are, like, just become strange you know something happens and then suddenly everything's kind of weird and a little a little like to the side of but normal presumably there's reasons for that in those movies yeah. as opposed to this movie where it's just sort of putting you in a somewhat surrealistic yeah but i think they say at one point um when uh so Nicole and Veronique and um, and then her one of her brother's bandmates are all hanging out. And, Nicole, her best friend, and one yeah. of her, band, her brother's bandmates. Yeah. And um, and Veronique is like, uh, oh, she doesn't drink hard alcohol because she went into a coma after graduation, and because she got plastered because her boyfriend broke up with her and to me that was like i mean i think that the film is ambiguous i'm not suggesting you, you that suggest that is a, a pretty what? out there reading of the film i i don't know i mean i'm saying i think that's to me that would not be outside of the realm of possibility when this filmmaker wrote this film like um yeah we didn't mention it's written and directed by uh Stefan Lafleur. Anyway, so I, I I don't think that's. I mean, that's I, fine. No, I don't. I'm not saying that that is what this film is, but I'm saying like for me, that's what I see as more of what. Well, here's it's my going for. I don't think it was critique. going for like clerks waiting. I think it was going for like 
Donnie Darko, not actually Donnie Darko, but that more of that style and tone. I think the idea, the coma idea is not really supported by the film because Nicole herself seems to have no consequence or have no uh, concept of the consequences of her actions. Um, but her actions do have consequences that affect her quite negatively. Wait, explain though. What do you, why would that not support the theory of a coma? Because if she's in a coma, she's controlling everything and it would follow her internal logic. And if sort of something outside of what she would conceive happens, then it's unlikely that she's the one who's controlling everything. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. I don't know. But things happen in your dreams that are like, why is this happening? Right? Have you ever been chased in a dream? That's like yeah, the no, classic I mean, dream. All kinds of crazy things happen in dreams. It's just... Yeah. I, I mean, well, first of all, you're talking about, like, real-life dreams versus movie dreams, where there's certain implied... Th- I think, like, you know, your real life doesn't have an emotional arc, necessarily, but a movie should have an emotional arc. Or, like, rain has implied... When something rains, it's for a reason in a movie. It's got implied value. As opposed to in the real world, where it's not really that happening. So if you're okay. making it a coma, there's like probably reasons, and I think there's a certain necessary logic that probably exceeds what goes on in an actual logic that's actually um, pertaining to a real dream. Also, okay. I'm just sort of saying it's sort of very outside the realm of sort of what you would anticipate. Like, you have dreams about things, but like the consequences you have, if you have outrageous consequences for your actions in a dream, they're less, they're not likely to be mundane. I, I I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Um, totally. In terms of like the, okay. So again, the coma reading is not like fixed in this is what it is. And this is, you know, but I think, I don't know. I, I think that idea to me fits with the idea of like the disillusionment. Cause like, it's clear that she's disillusioned. Right. I think it's like that. I mean, that's like, probably the main theme of the film is disillusionment. Like things are happening and she's like, this is what the fuck sort of. Um, I thought the, the most interesting arc was sort of throughout the film. She says she does, she, she has trouble sleeping. And so she kind of walks around the city at night. Um, it's like a big thing where she's tired all the time and just trouble sleeping. And at the end of the film, she sort of, does something very straightforward that sort of is against the disillusionment that's sort of going on throughout the film, and as a result, she's able to fall asleep. Yeah. Um, I thought that was a somewhat interesting emotional arc. Yeah. But again, that's... What did she do? She drank... Well, I don't know if this is giving this away, but she drank a lot of alcohol, and that's what she did at the beginning of the summer when she, which we don't see when she goes into a coma. Like, I don't know. I think there's more to this film than, again, to me, this film is not, it's a little, it's like a little more like, I don't know, it's like an onion that you need to peel back, but I don't know how to peel it back. You know what I mean? (laughs) Okay, I will say though, okay, I'm curious what you think though about well, first I'm going to say what I think about the, um, I really liked the cinematography and the sound design. What did you think? Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, no, no. It's fine. Oh, no. Okay. I just, I just really liked it. I thought the black and white was. Hey, it's worth mentioning. This film is in black and white. It was shot in 2014, and it was in black and white. Yeah. That's what uh, I think sort of harkened me back to Clerks immediately. Yeah, I can see that, but I don't know. It just, it feels different. And then the sound design, something I really like is when films use like diegetic sound. So like not a soundtrack that's obviously external. Like pretty much all the sound is internal. Di- in the- diegetic sound is like music or stuff that comes from, that the characters can hear. Exactly. Like as opposed oh. to a soundtrack where you hear music, but the care it's like, from part of the movie and the characters don't hear it. But the sounds that diegetic is sounds that the characters, you hear the same thing the characters hear. Exactly. And I think because the film has this huge component with like, there's this band trying to record an album in her house. Um, it makes it so that it makes sense that there is music and it just really works. And even times when there's not, the band playing the music, pretty much the music is always still diegetic. It's coming from like a, from a car stereo or from, um, I don't know, some other source within the film, which within the, the world of the film, which is cool to me. I like that kind of creativity. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think it's a very laid back movie. Yeah. Also, the kid. So, what do you think about the kid's voice? Like, how do you explain that in your world of this is just like Clerks? What? Bizarre things happen in Clerks as well. Like, like a kid's voice being a man's voice, actually. Um. Well, no. I mean, I think that's that's just meant for for comic effect slash trying to build a sense of surrealism in the film. Obviously, this is not a one-to-one, like, you know, ratio of, of, uh, of um, clerks. I just think that sort of takes from that tradition. I think there are surrealistic things that happen in those films as well. The characters, you know, are very over-the-top. Okay. In, in, in office space and, um, and in waiting. Um, and, yeah, in clerks, like, you know, bizarre things happen. Like, yeah, I don't like when she fucks the dead guy. I don't think that would ever happen in the real world. But it's sort of like, you know, surrealistic. Mm-hmm. To a certain aspect. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Cool, cool. What, are, what other things are there about this movie? Oh, I was thinking about how to describe it. And the the I thought of like... I mean, the the main character is obviously, like, consumed by a sense of ennui, like, boredom, which I thought was funny because ennui is French, and it's a French film. I mean, it's French-language <laughs> film. That's, that's totally dumb, but... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it paints a nice meandering picture. Yeah. And it, you know, it has subtle hints of surrealism. Yeah. Um, I don't know, maybe when I watched it, I just wasn't really in the, the mood for that. But. That's okay. 
totally fine. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't really know what else to say about it other than, yeah, because it is kind of, I don't know, it is kind of like straightforward in a sense, but then it's also could be read as like not very straightforward at all. I mean, yeah, it's, it's developing a mood more than anything else. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I kind of, that's probably the one thing I don't like is that I feel like it's one of those films that like has an ending, but doesn't end, you know? Yeah. I mean, it had a somewhat satisfying emotional arc for main character. I, I don't feel like it did, but. I mean, I think she gets more rounded at the end. Cool. Well, this I, was short, but uh, <laughs> if you have nothing else to say, then <laughs> I, I, what would you give it? Um, I think, I think I would give it a four. Actually. Really? I know. I'm You're just sorry. giving fours away, man. I do you not. Give, give you give the high ratings me. away like like nothing. You gave that one film before that I... Remember that film we like. Oh, yeah. It was the opposite of what I expected. I don't remember what... It was... From um, Dust Till Dawn? No, no, no. Uh, the one with the, the people try and kill everybody else. can't even remember it. Oh, The Invitation. The Invitation. The Invitation. Yeah. That was a good movie. <laughs> See? And I, I, like, thought that was a dumb movie. So. Okay, I give this movie uh, a light three. That's fine. I can understand that. Um, yeah, I'm going to give it a four because, like I said earlier about The Onion, like I like those films that make me think, and this one makes me think. And also want to watch it again, not only because the beautiful cinematography, um, the cool sound design, but also because I feel like on each watching of it, I'll be able to peel back a layer, and I like that. I, I really think you're thinking way too much in this movie, but... There's totally so much. I wish that I could sit down with this filmmaker, and hopefully he speaks English, and we could chat she? about... It's a he. Oh, it is a he, okay. Yeah, Stéphane Lafleur. It's French, so he's... It's Stephen Lafleur. Yeah. <laughs> um... Although I think the writer, it's also written by a woman and Stefan LaFleur. So I guess one of the filmmakers. It depends on what you define a filmmaker. I think the cinematographer it's... as well, but regardless. Um, I just feel like it'd be cool to sit down, yeah, and like figure out what's going on here. Ah, okay. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Okay, well, we'll leave you guys with a short episode. Um, matinee, matinee. Manatee, manatee. Have a nice day.